The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 55 Homecoming 1864, November 1st just outside of Carson City, Nevada. Orpheus heard the drums first. Out in the darkness, somewhere in the distance, someone was playing the drums. No, he realized several someones. He looked out, and he could see where the sound was coming from. There were lanterns dancing up and down. Then he could hear the jingle of cymbals and bells. Tambourines, he thought. The breeze became warm. Not like October, but more like late August. He saw as they came closer, it was a parade. There were dancers and musicians with large string instruments, some he had never seen before. As the dancers with lanterns began to surround him, he saw carts being pulled along. Some of them were covered in fresh spring flowers. Others had kegs of wine and beer. Some were full of fruits or meats. There were dancers, hundreds of them, all dressed in sandals, togas, tunics. The fabric was thin and light and barely covered most of them. Some of them had baskets full of food or were carrying large wineskins. They spun around each other, feeding others and dancing with them pouring drinks directly from the spouts of the wineskins into their mouths, until it overflowed and stained their togas. Other dancers were chasing each other around, jumping and spinning, but also grabbing and pulling at each other. If they were caught, they would kiss their pursuer. Sometimes the kisses would grow passionate, and other times the dancers would find a cart and they would please each other on it if they didn't just pick each other up and please each other in the street. They were paired up, women with women, or men with men, sometimes even men with women, occasionally three or four at once, so that who was with who could not be determined. They surrounded Orpheus, and he stood guard over Colin's body, not wanting it to be trampled. Somewhere in the music he could hear a violin. It was playing out of sync with the rest of the parade, it was being played slow against the upbeat tempo, in minor chords instead of the bright major chords the rest of the music was in. The sound stood out, discordious, and wrong. A woman whose tunic had slipped off came up to Orpheus, her large breasts exposed and bouncing. She had a basket full of peaches. She selected one, took a bite, and let the juices run down her chin. She held the fruit out to Orpheus. The bite pointed at him so he could take another bite on top of the first. It dripped with juice, and he began to reach for it, when Persephone smacked it out of the girl's hand and it flew into the darkness. The dancer shrugged and danced away with her basket to find someone else to feed. You didn't want to eat that, I promise, explained Persephone. She was small, with a much flatter chest than the dancer. 
Her tunic was cut for a woman, and it covered her properly, even if the skirt was so short it almost did not. She wasn't wearing shoes, but everywhere she stepped on the dirt road, under her feet, there was grass. In her golden hair, someone had woven flowers. She smiled at Orpheus, and he felt warmer. He noticed the night was no longer cold at all. It felt like a day in spring. I know you, Persephone told Orpheus. He'd gotten used to this sentence. Over the last few days, it had been said many, many times, always followed with the statement, You're the boxer. You're the musician, Persephone said. In his life, up to that point, no one had ever said this to him before. But it sounded right. It fit him the way you're the boxer never did. Husband! Persephone called to the distance. Hades came out of the darkness. He had curly auburn hair. He was wearing a red tuxedo and red dress shoes. He had on a red harlequin mask with tiny horns sticking up from the eyebrow ridge. He was playing a bright yellow violin. He walked over, bent down, and kissed Persephone. His bow fell from the violin as she wrapped her arms around him, pulling herself up to kiss him more. They broke their kiss as she dropped back down to the ground. Both of them turned to look at Orpheus. Husband, look who I found. Isn't this just the luckiest night of the entire year? Let's take him with us. Persephone smiled. My dear one, he can't come. It's not his time. He has a life he still needs to play through. Hades reached for her to pat her on the head. She grabbed his hand and pulled him down to her. I want him to come with us. Then you can stop playing that fool violin and start playing with me, she said with an edge to her voice, then kissed Hades on the nose. He shoved the violin and bow into Orpheus's hands. He picked up Persephone, carrying her like a bride across the threshold, and spun her around in a circle and kissed her again. She laughed. I'm... Sorry, I can't go. Orpheus tried to explain. Hades set Persephone down again and looked at him. Orpheus tried to hand back the violin, but Hades wouldn't take it. Why not? Persephone whined. This is my party. I want you to play for us. Do it, or I will not help you later. Persephone's eyes narrowed, and she stomped her foot. What is this? Is this your wedding? Persephone laughed louder. No. <laughs> we have been married for... She began to count on her fingers, and then just shook her head and said, Forever. Literally forever. This is my homecoming. I am coming back from my mother's, and I won't have to see the dreadful woman again until spring. Is she that bad? Orpheus asked. You have no idea. Persephone explained. She turned to Hades narrowed her eyes at him, and stomped her foot. Get him to come. I will talk with him, dear. Why don't you see if you can find me a glass of wine? One glass of wine coming up. Persephone danced away. I need to hire your services. Hades explained as he turned to Orpheus, who was still holding the yellow violin and bow. And I'm afraid you cannot refuse, so what's left is only to come to an agreement over compensation. What is it you desire? Hades held his hands together and waited for an answer. Orpheus could swear he saw his eyes glow beneath the red-horned mask. 
I'm sorry. I wish I could, but I have to take care of my friend. He's... He's dead, I'm well aware. But that's wonderful. He can come with us. Won't it be a treat for him to hear you play? He can't. He's dead. Are you mad? Orpheus, who do you think I am? Where do you think you are? Hades held his hands out, pointing at the distance. Orpheus had read some Greek myth and had come across the name Orpheus before, but he couldn't place it. He looked around. They were standing at the crossroads, but it was only him, Colin, and the parade. The horses and carts were gone. There were no stars. There was no sliver of a moon. The darkness beyond where the lights couldn't reach didn't seem like an infinite void. It felt like there was a ceiling just out of sight above their heads. Like, if he jumped high enough, he could touch it. He very carefully looked over Hades in his red tuxedo with the horned harlequin mask. Hades turned for him. The tails of the coat were cut into tiny arrows. It's Halloween. And you're supposed to be the devil? asked Orpheus. That's pretty close, but you're slightly wrong on both counts. It's not Halloween anymore. It's November 1st. It's All Saints Day. Or if you'd like, the Day of the Dead. And I'm not supposed to be the devil. I am Hades, ruler of the underworld. I am the god of death. So when I ask you, what do you want? You must know that you can ask for anything. Orpheus understood. He was standing at the crossroads. He was planning to make a deal with the devil. If we are to make a bargain, I want to know the terms. What are you asking me to do exactly? I will lend you my violin, and you will follow us, playing as you wish. Anything you'd like. For how long? Until the party is over. And what do I get for it? Ask for something. And we will continue our negotiation. I want you to bring Colin back to life. Of course you do. But I do have to warn you. This is a coin you can only spend once. Why would I? This man is not yours. He belongs to someone else. Someday you're going to come back to me and ask for what is yours. And I will say no. Do you understand? I understand. Please, bring him back. Orpheus asked. Then we have a bargain? Hades spit into his hand and held it out for Orpheus. Orpheus stepped back, wondering why people keep spitting into their hands. Could we drink over it? asked Orpheus. No, I'm sorry. You can't drink any of the wine we brought. If you did, you would never be able to leave the underworld. So this is it. If you want your friend back, you must seal the deal. Hades waited, hand out toward Orpheus. Orpheus hesitantly spit into his hand and then shook. It was wet and gross, and Orpheus cringed a little. Hades laughed as if he told a joke. <laughs> okay, now that that's done, let's have a look at your friend. Hades bent down to examine Colin. He poked at him with his finger. Yep, he is good and dead. Let's see what we can do. Hades reached into Colin's coat and Orpheus could see him pull a red thread from inside his pocket. He examined the thread for a moment, and then stuffed it back in. Strange. He seems to have plenty of thread left. This might be a little easier than I thought. Hold on a second. 
Hades continued his examination, checking the bullet wound, then tucking Colin's shirt back in and cleaning him up a bit. Hades stood. Okay, your friend is very dead, but he has time left. Normally, this would be a problem. I am the god of death, and I know I promised you anything, but really, bringing people back to life is not in my power. I could kill loads of people for you, but bringing one back, for that, you need the goddess of life. Lucky for you, I married her. Sweetheart! Hades called into the darkness. Persephone returned, dancing again, spinning and laughing hand in hand with the girl who carried a wineskin. They stopped, and Persephone held out a wine glass. The woman filled Persephone's glass to the rim, and it overflowed. Persephone kissed her on the cheek and let her dance away. Then, stepping up to Hades, before she gave him the glass, she took a large drink from it for herself, leaving it half empty. Was that for me? Hades asked. Persephone replied by pulling him down into a kiss. As they kissed deeply, wine leaked out from the corners of her mouth. It still is, my love. She handed him the glass with what was left of the wine. Persephone turned to Orpheus and wiped her mouth and chin with the back of her hand. Tell me, husband, is it done? Did you convince him to come with us? Yes, my dear, but he wants his friend back in payment. Hades explained. Of course he does. Where is Eurycity? Not that friend. This one. Hades pointed to Colin. Persephone looked at Colin, and then looked back at Orpheus, confused. You married the bull? No, dear. This is not his husband. It's his friend. The bull is married to Pasiphae. But what about Eurycity? Persephone asked, then pulled Hades down to whisper to him. We're going to need Eurycity alive. Eurycity is alive, Hades assured her. Persephone looked at Orpheus. Are you sure you want this one? You only get one, you know. I told him, said Hades. Orpheus was struggling to follow this conversation. He had a feeling it was important, but he didn't know who Eurycity was, or who Pasiphae was, and what they had to do with Colin. Colin had been the Irish bull, but that was a long time ago, and somehow it felt like that's not what Persephone was talking about. I have no husband or wife, Orpheus explained. But this man is my friend. He's the only father I've ever known. I need him back, or I'm afraid I will lose two friends tonight. Orpheus stepped forward and reached out to take Persephone's hand, begging for her to help. But the moment he touched her, he felt so warm, he dropped her hands in surprise and stepped back from her. Don't worry, old friend. I will help you, Persephone said as she turned to the parade and signaled for two large male dancers to come over. Orpheus felt like a child again in their presence. He wondered if they were bigger than Achilles. Get him up, Persephone ordered the dancers, pointing at Colin. They picked him up by the armpits and set him back on his feet. He hung between them like a scarecrow, lifeless, empty. In order to bring him back, he must first be accepted by life and then rejected by death. Do you understand? Persephone asked Orpheus. He shook his head no. That's okay. You don't need to understand for it to work. Persephone walked up to Colin. She set her hand on his cheek and whispered into his ear. Hello, 
my magnificent beast. You are always so lovely. But don't go yet. Your husband still needs you. Come back to me. Come back to life. Persephone kissed him on the cheek and stepped back. His body still hung between the two muscular men. Then Hades stepped up to him, and Persephone backed away. Hades cracked his neck, stretched his arms. Hades took a deep breath and then yelled, Colin Byrne, you bastard! Wake the fuck up already! Hades pulled his arm back as far as it would go and then slapped Colin across the face. The men holding him up let go and Colin landed on his feet. He took his fighting stance and brought his fists up. What the hell was that for? Who the fuck hit me? I swear, they're going to regret that. What is this bullshit? Colin looked in all directions. Everyone backed away except Orpheus, who stepped up to him. Kid! Where are we? Where's Henry? I'm not sure where we are. I'm not sure where Henry is. But you have to go find him. He might hurt himself. Why? Because he thinks you're dead. I'm not. You were. Colin, I made a deal. I have to stay here for a while, but you can go. You're going to be okay now. Go find Henry. Please. Kid, you'll be okay. I will be fine. I will see you again. But you have to go. I will find you. Go. Where? Colin looked around. This way. Hades instructed as he pointed to an ascending staircase that hadn't been there before. Colin saw it and ran up the stairs, taking two steps at a time. And whatever you do, don't look back or... Oh, never mind. Little chance of that this time. Colin was already gone before Hades could finish his warning. Persephone laughed with Hades and kissed him once more. Then she turned to Orpheus. Thank you for this. It's been forever since you have played for me. I promise, as soon as the party is over, you can go. Just, while you're here, don't eat anything, unless I give it to you. I won't, Orpheus agreed. Go ahead. Persephone waved her hands in the air. All the musicians stopped, and the parade turned and looked at Orpheus. He set the bow on the strings and pulled back, creating one clean note that seemed to echo and carry into the dark. Then he began playing the hero's return. It was fast, upbeat, and joyful. The drums picked up his beat, and then the tambourines, the bells, and the dancers began stomping their feet. The other string instruments, guitars, harps, lyres, joined in following Orpheus. Persephone took Hades by the hand and pulled him forward as they danced together. The parade began again. Persephone in front, dancing for Hades. Orpheus followed. Colin is alive, he thought, and all it will cost is for me to play a party. It's a small price to pay, when set on the measure against Colin's life. What does it matter that that party is going to take place in hell? Eurycity had gone home after the fight had broken up. The shooting, the madness. It was a really good gun, but it wasn't worth that. He would have to buy another one just like it. He went to bed that night, tired of everything. He read his father's letter, and now he didn't know what to think. Had Penelope tried to save him? Does that change the fact that she betrayed him for Ulysses, whoever he was? His father was gone. Penelope was gone. 
I am alone, he thought, and revenge, even on the general, just now seemed pointless. He didn't want to fight any more. As he lay in bed, staring up at the dark ceiling of his room, he felt a tug on his blankets. He rolled over to see Hector standing next to his bedside table. Bear, Hector said as he pointed out towards the door. He was dancing back and forth a little. There is no bear. You can just go ahead and use the outhouse. You know how. Bear! Hector insisted louder this time. His eyes widened, and he looked out the door and back to Eurycity. Go out there. If you actually see a bear this time, run back and get me. Bear! Hector said again. All right. I'll come with you and prove there is no bear. Eurycity swung his feet out from under the blankets and onto the floor. But you remind me later to tell you the story of the boy who cried wolf. He lit the gas lamp on his bedside table. He stood, taking the lamp in one hand, he picked up the Confederate pistol in the other, just in case there was a bear. Hector followed behind him. See? There's no bear out here. Eurycity explained as they walked the distance from the back door to the outhouse. Bear! Hector repeated as he pointed at the outhouse. Eurycity opened the door, holding the lantern inside, showing Hector it was empty. He set the lantern on the shelf that Jonathan had built just for this purpose. He took a wooden seat cover and set it in place. It was cut smaller, so Hector had no chance of falling through. Hector pulled his pants down, and Eurycity picked him up and positioned him on this custom-made seat. He turned away and let Hector continue, but kept the door open as he looked up into the sky and the stars. Hey, Edgar. Why was there a ghost in the outhouse? Eurycity waited for a response. He didn't get one, but he really didn't expect one. Because he had to poo. He held out the O sound in an imitation of a ghost wail. Hector began to laugh uncontrollably. He tried saying it to himself. Poof! <laughs> said Hector, laughing even harder. That you understood. Poof! replied Hector. Eurycity laughed at the joke with him. Hector jumped down from the seat. Eurycity cleaned him up pulled up his pants, and then buttoned them. They were still laughing, as he picked him up and carried him back to the cabin. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except I guess for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. <laughs>